Welcome to the Subtle Cane Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Smith, broadcasting from the Aorta of America, beautiful festival city, Oshkosh, Wisconsin, where we pump out reason and pierce through the propaganda. Here we go. Well, here we are again, the Subtle Cane Podcast, Episode 5, Sticks and Stones. If you are a new listener, thanks for being here. I appreciate you checking us out. If you are a returning listener, thank you for your continued support. It is much appreciated. And I just want to say that uh, I am overwhelmed and quite humbled by the positive response that I've received thus far and how many people have... uh, taking the time to listen to me muddle through a topic or two. It it is really sincerely appreciated. Today, we are going to talk about language a little bit. Language has power. You know, there's a seemingly endless supply of speeches, quotes, good literature, bad literature, lyrics, all kinds of ways to build people up or, or tear them down. Words are just amazing. It's the way... Our thoughts are translated into being, into this kind of actionable intelligence. It, it is really a, a mystery and a marvel to me. Language, as defined by Britannica.com, is a system of conventional spoken, manual, signed, or written symbols by means of which human beings, as members of a social group and participants in its culture, express themselves. The formulation of thoughts into words is something that is really uh, powerful in a way that is hard to grasp sometimes. You know, even different languages, different languages have built within them certain perspectives. I remember my uh, Spanish teacher at one point explaining that in, in the Spanish language, there is a certain amount of grace built in. And in, in what I mean by that is, let's say... I were to drop a pencil. In English, I would say, I dropped a pencil. And in Spanish, it's more along the lines of, the pencil fell from me. So it, it isn't that kind of hard-nosed, I dropped a pencil, it's my fault kind of a thing. It's, more, it's a little more graceful. I remember, too, when I was living um, out in South Dakota, I spent some time on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation out there. And I remember hearing some very interesting very neat um things uh, when dis- when they were describing the lakota language and uh one of them was i believe it was an elder uh named matthew king and he was talking about how english he said was like throwing a handful of gravel at somebody but in the lakota language it each word is like handing over a, a, a precious gem that really stuck with me, that kind of symbolism, that idea. And you know what? When you when you watch people communicate in the Lakota language, you seriously, when, when you see that, after you've heard that, when you see them communicate, it is. It is really like there's such intention there with each thing that's said. And it it, it really is. It's a it's a beautiful thing. So each language is different, but obviously. We operate in English. If you're listening to this, you may be bilingual or trilingual or who knows how many languages some people speak. It's it, it's amazing and, and humbling. But 
despite the language that you speak, language is powerful. It is beautiful. It is an important thing to to consider. Every time we open our mouths and say something, it's important that we consider what we say. I am obviously not saying that I do that. I definitely don't. I try to. I'm sure most of you do too. One of the things that I'd like to focus on, or at least explain a little bit more about about the process of what I'm trying to do here, is I, I was speaking to my wife, and, and my wife gave me permission to kind of share a little bit about about her um, in, in order to give a better description of of kind of what I'm doing here. And I, and why I say that is because when I sit down, when I put together things, when I'm going through the thought process of what I want to talk about, I oftentimes wonder, well, how would I, how would I talk about this with my wife? And I just want to say up front, uh, my wife is an extremely intelligent woman, uh, just amazing. I am very blessed and she is an academic um she's also an educator and she is unbelievably intelligent let me just say she graduated summa cum laude with her bachelor's degree and probably i, I i'm not sure with her master's degree she just didn't even want to go to the ceremony so i have no idea what was involved with that but the point the reason why i brag on her like that is she has overcome an extreme amount of adversity in her life to be where she is and did not have the same kind of investment put into her that my parents put into me. Now, that is not a slight against her parents. It's just a matter of fact. Uh, my parents poured into me, and I was very fortunate in that way, and I, and I understand and I acknowledge that fully. My wife did not have that same pouring into so there's a lot of background stuff that I take for granted, that I was exposed to, that I take for granted. And sometimes when I'm explaining things to her or I'm asking her questions about things and she doesn't, I can see that it doesn't click, that that she's missing some background information. And so I have to work around that and she has to work around that. And we do, we communicate well with that. And she's also got uh, severe dyslexia which is not just seeing things backwards that's not that's not what dyslexia is she has issues with sounds she has issues with letters being in what order but it is more to do with sounds being in the right order and so she's very self-conscious about that but i have to i have to break things down in a different way and she has to work 10 times harder to accomplish something than than I do. I always say that we're the tortoise and the hare, and she's the tortoise. She's steady, steady, always moving forward, and I'm like some kind of a bouncy ball on meth. I'm all over the place. I'm not actually on meth. You get what I'm saying. So all that, all that is to say that I want this podcast to be somewhere where people who may not feel comfortable asking about some background information get some things explained to them. Like in the last episode, you know, I had previous knowledge of the, of the Nuremberg trials. I had to look it up and refresh myself and I, but I was aware of the Nuremberg code. I, I was familiar with the Nuremberg trials and what they, what they entailed. And not everybody is, not everybody's been exposed to that. So when I'm trying to explain things, I'm trying to explain things in a way 
that would make sense to someone who didn't have the background knowledge. And so for some people, it may seem redundant or it may seem like I'm going into too much detail about something that should be taken for granted. But I don't like to take things for granted. I don't like it when people do that to me, because if I'm around somebody that's that's speaking jargon of something that I'm not familiar with, well, I'm not going to know what they're talking about. I can I can be talking to my brother, who's a very skilled craftsman, and he'll start talking about jigs or tools or techniques, and I am absolutely lost. And you don't like to admit that you're absolutely lost. In any event, moving forward, going into the topic of the language, I just wanted to give that background. I wanted to give that little bit of encouragement that if you come here and you want to listen and you want to learn some things, I'm learning with you. This is a process that I, I don't just sit down at the desk and have all this uh, in my head. I have to I have to look things up. I have to educate myself before I can come here and try and speak somewhat half intelligently about them. So you are capable and I'm going to work very hard to make the material here accessible. Okay. I've gone on long enough about that, just so we're on the same page. I wanted to bring some quotes because there are so many powerful quotes out there. There's so there's thousands and thousands, and, and they're amazing. But I picked a few out because they kind of work within the framework that we're trying to work through as far as critical thinking and language and how it can be used to manipulate you. And so this first one is by C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis was an apologetic, a Christian apologist. And apologetics is kind of when you give your reasons for why you believe something. So it, it isn't an apology for being a Christian, but it is an explanation of your reasoning behind it. And he said something that, I, that I've always really liked. Um, he says, we all want progress, but if you're on the wrong road, progress means doing an about turn, and walking back to the right road. In that case, the man who turns back soonest is the most progressive. I think that's pretty clever, and it, it, it's true. It, you know, it's like doing a math problem. You start doing a big, long, long math problem. You make one mistake. The faster you turn around and start in the right direction, the better off you're going to be. The next quote is from a gentleman named Neil Postman. Neil Postman wrote a few very good books. Um, two of them that I would strongly suggest are Technopoly and Amusing Ourselves to Death, I believe it's called. What we talk about here about asking questions, about learning how to think in, in a way that, that will put away some of the mystery of the jargon and the things that people are talking about. This, this, this quote, I think, is very important for us to to think about. And it's once you have learned to ask questions, relevant and appropriate and substantial questions, you have learned how to learn. And no one can keep you from learning whatever you want or need to know. Beautiful. And you know, there's a there's a humility there. There's a humility that we need to have about what we do and don't know as well. He says also another quote Certainty abolishes hope and robs us of renewal. People who are so certain of themselves, who think they have it all figure out, figured out, not only does that make you a very boring and hard person to be around, but it also abolishes hope. And, and we need that sense of mystery. We need that sense of discovery. We need to be 
as human beings, we need to always be trying to find the next, the next thing, because if we don't have that, it really, we start turning into these anxious and depressed beings. And, and I think we see that a lot. I think if you look around, if you look at the statistics of mental health, uh, you will see that. And there is a, a correlation, remember, not saying causation, there is a correlation, a relationship between people who are not in, not inquiring, who are not asking questions, who are not curious about the world around them, and mental health issues, anxiety, depression, things like that. Along the lines of words being powerful tools that can either free us or enslave us, Joost Mierlu, the Dutch psychiatrist who was a Nazi prison camp survivor, says, He who dictates and formulates the words and phrases we use, he who is master of the press and radio, is master of the mind. Repeat mechanically your assumptions and suggestions. Diminish the opportunity for communicating dissent and opposition. This is the formula for political conditioning of the masses. Go through that again real quick. So he who dictates and formulates the words and phrases we use. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like something you've heard recently or people wanting to control the words or phrases that you use, make sure that they fit within the box? He who is master of the press and radio is master of the mind. Well, he's talking about newspapers and radio. Imagine the small window of time before the internet, before even the advent of, let's say, like a cable TV or something. Imagine the small window of time that people were being exposed to papers, newspapers, or radio programs compared to our handy-dandy little uh, devices in our pockets that are giving us a constant stream, a constant notification or news or any number of things assaulting our mind with either advertising or propaganda or messaging of some sort or another to try and make us think in a certain way or feel a certain way. Oftentimes afraid because people who are afraid are easy to control. Edward Bernays wrote a book called Propaganda. A very interesting fellow. I would say I would suggest to look into him. Look into look into what he did for I want to say it was Lucky Strike cigarettes and how he kind of co-opted the suffragette movement to go with that. Well, he said, if we understand the mechanism and motives of the group mind, it is now possible to control and regiment the masses according to our will without them knowing it. Without them knowing it. Think of all the algorithms and how you hear how they're able to predict things about a person that they don't even know about themselves because of the algorithms, because they're able to track all the various things that they say liked or disliked or the Google searches that they did. I mean, they truly understand what motivates you just by watching what you do online. A scary thought. And he's saying, if we understand the mechanism and motives of the group mind, it is now possible to control and regiment the masses according to our will without them knowing it. Very, very scary stuff. But also if we're aware of it, if we're conscientious about it, we can help ourselves by making sure that we're always looking for who is 
behind what is being said or what what possible motive might there be. I know not everybody out here that's listening uh, are religious or or Christian specifically. I myself am, am a Christ follower. I would I would categorize myself because I think honestly the word Christian, the way it gets thrown around and and used, has has acquired so much baggage that I I'm not sure that that word is specifically the best categorization for someone who is a Christ follower. But why I bring that up now is because if you look at the Bible, whether or not you are a believer in the Bible, there are so many amazing ancient writings to think about. I mean, it's like there's so much wisdom. There's so much of value there. And even if you don't follow the Bible is or, or believe that the Bible is relevant to your life in the spiritual sense, just as a historical book, it's just as the the words themselves, they are very powerful. So I'm going to read you a couple of verses that I think are very, very pertinent to what we're talking about. And this is Luke 6.45, and it says, The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. Hmm. So what, what we have in our heart comes out in our words. And what we put in our mind is going to sink into our heart. And so what we expose ourselves to is going to change who we are inside emotionally. And that is going to store up. We're going to store that up in our heart and the overflow of our heart, our mouth will speak. Just something to think about. In James 3.5, it says, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. You know, we can do so much damage with our words. That's why we need to be so conscientious of what we say to other people. Now, I'm not advocating for policing your language in a, in a way that you are constantly walking around or in a minefield of potential offenses. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is be intentional with your language. Try and, try and think things through. Try to make sure that you're taking into account all the different factors and, and just be intentional. That is a suggestion. Also, I don't, I don't practice what I preach all the time. And I think it's fair for me to say that I, I don't want to come across, across like I'm uh, preaching to you because I am not. I am also telling this to myself and struggle with it quite a bit. So the question, who benefits when we hear something, when someone's saying something to us, and we have to ask that question, who benefits? Cubono is is the Latin phrase. Cubono. Who who benefits? We have to look at the narratives that we're being told. We have to when we see the mainstream media or we see things being pushed very hard on different platforms online, we have to ask, well, who benefits from this? And I think if we're honest, if we're honest with ourselves, history and fiction alike have shown us that there are no limits to what man will do for power and money. No limits. So why then do we scoff at the idea of conspiracies? Maybe we've been programmed to. Maybe we've been programmed to reject them. Maybe maybe just that word is a trigger. And if, if someone says it, then we have an emotional feeling like, oh, that's 
there's something wrong with that person. They're they're mentally ill. But we we see history has shown that people there's really no limits that people will stop at for money and power. So maybe we shouldn't just scoff at the idea that there could be conspiracies. I mean, the idea that there are some not so, I don't know, altruistic human beings working against us for their own money and power, for their own gain, is to believe that isn't happening is honestly a little naive. Why do we reject that idea? Why do we reject the idea that language is being used intentionally without our best interest in mind from powerful, rich and powerful people? Why, why do we reject that? Is it because it causes too much pain or fear to accept that we could have been deceived? Or maybe it's that allegory of the cave. Maybe we don't like to be dragged up out of the cave and into the sunlight. Maybe it's too painful and there's too much suffering. And where's my shackles, please? Maybe, maybe that's part of it. Psychologically, it's a defense mechanism. And I understand. I want you to understand. It is not a character assassination. I'm just asking that question. Is it potentially that? Is that why we don't ask some of these questions? Or maybe it's just because most of us aren't sociopathic or psychopathic or narcissistic maniacs who hunger for power and money in that way. And we just can't see ourselves plotting like some James Bond type villain. So it's hard for us to comprehend that people would do that. But people would, you know. Just because you don't want that money and power, I don't want power. I can be, I can be honest. I, I barely want responsibility. I think that that is that is something that we need to consider. We need to talk about who benefits. Q bono. When we see a narrative, one of the first things we should ask ourselves is Q bono. That can lead to a few different outcomes. That that can lead to you being a cynic. There's a difference between being a cynic and a skeptic. I am skeptical. Skepticism is a is a whole kind of uh, it's a whole process. It's a whole kind of thinking. A cynic is someone who has they have negative opinions about other people and about the things they do. A cynic is always looking and expecting to see the the bad. Whereas a skeptic it it is it is not that. So it, according to Merriam-Webster, a skeptic, uh, definition 2B. This is this is the one I thought was most pertinent here was the method of suspended judgment, systematic doubt, or criticism, characteristic of skeptic. Suspended judgment. That's what we that's what we've been talking about. Taking a moment, letting the letting the information set in as it's presented to us, weighing it thoughtfully, honestly, with integrity, and then making a decision after that. I think that that is that is something that is very important for us to do. There's one more verse that I have, and it's hanging in my office here. And it, it reminds me to keep humble and to understand that I, myself, am not a good person in the sense that I have the capability of doing some terrible things. And I have the capability of lying to others and to myself in order to work towards this uh, ends justify the means kind of a mentality. And that's Jeremiah 17, 9. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Let that sink in. Think about that. Whether or not you are a, a Bible believer, I, I think that that is a, that's a helpful verse to think about, to, to ponder. 
I want to tell you how much I appreciate you being here and how much I value your time. I'm working on the value for value system, and that means that I am not accepting advertising money. Kind of along the lines of what we've been talking about, I don't want somebody to have outside influence onto the content that I'm producing. So you can produce this content with me. You have the ability, the opportunity, I humbly ask that you please think about supporting the show. You can contribute financially. You can contribute with material. You can also contribute uh, with art or uh, music. Again, all I can do is say that I am so grateful and honored and privileged to spend this time with you. And I hope that you're back. And I hope that we can work through some issues together. We can sift and winnow. For all you out there, you are valued, you are loved, and you are worthy. God bless and good night. Like a fear as a world I love.